Alan, you can come up here where I can see the whites of your eyes if you'd like. <laughs> I have a uh, wife that can see out of one eye and a brother that hears out of one ear. So <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> this is what the older brother does to you. You can sit right. There. You sit right. You can sit right there. <laughs> so I want to give a report, and then I'm going to tell a story, and then we'll have the message after that. The report is about our younger brother David. We went up to visit with him yesterday, the day after his first um, experience with chemotherapy. And uh, he was at the mailbox, which was the first time he'd been out in a long time. He said that it was the first time in 50 days he stood up straight. The first time in four weeks he's put his own socks on. So. He was rejoicing that uh, he could put his socks on. For us, we would think that's such a little victory, but for him, it was a it was a milestone to be able to do that. So, we even walked around the yard, played a giant jenga. So, I'm sure he was really tired when we left. We were tired when we left. So, he's doing much better. Thank you so much for praying for him and for Tammy. We just really covered continued prayers for them because. He's still got a long road ahead of him of chemotherapy over the next four to six months. But um, as most of you know, I have been um, traveling a lot down the eastern North Carolina, um, trying to help the Onslow County school system get back uh, to some 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 sense of normalcy. And of course, in the process. Um, you get to hear uh, stories about people down there. And this particular one I want to relate to you all. Um, the first time I was down, I just did a quick tour of a bunch of different schools down there and was in the hallway of one. wasn't supposed to be anybody in the halls um, at that time. Uh, no, no school people because they were all the schools were locked. Each school has a master key that if you lose it, you have to sign for it. If you lose it, it's about $80,000 to rekey every lock in that school. And so um, I had my key. I had, uh, and so I was walking there, and this uh, young lady comes down the hall with this peach colored ball cap on. And I'm like, I walk up to her and say, Who are you? She said, I'm assistant principal. I said, Okay. He said, She says, Who are you? And so we have this exchange, you know, validating who each person is. And Got to talking with her about school and how things were going, and you know, as a church, we had we had begun to take up some money to help people. We were looking for uh, uh, an individual, a target, an individual rather than just giving to uh, a ministry down there. And so she, she was telling me about this uh, one teacher that they had, and I just had been carrying this story around because she didn't have a lot of information about her either, and so. This last time I was down there, I, I happened to be at that school doing some reviews, and um, so I asked if I could see her and sat down with her in her office, and I said, can you give me the whole story about this girl? And so um, her name is Rebecca Lockhart. She's a choral teacher at uh, 
Hunters Creek Middle School in Onslow County. Well, Rebecca um, and her husband had just been recently married within the last year, year and a half or something. Um, so he had had a gallbladder operation, and then he was waiting for a liver transplant. And then comes Hurricane Florence. Well, during the hurricane, because everybody was given this thing to you know evacuate this eastern North Carolina area, during the hurricane, the man starts bleeding out. She calls EMS. You've got to come get my husband and get him to the emergency room. I'm sorry, ma'am. We can't go out during the hurricane. She is frantic about what to do about her husband. She calls her neighbor that happens to be a nurse. She comes over, the two of them get him in the car during the hurricane and take him to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, he goes unconscious. And he never, he never regained consciousness. Never regained consciousness. And so this, this young lady, who's a choral teacher there, um, has walked through his birthday, Christmas, and their anniversary alone. Um, the, the kids were out of school probably three or four weeks. She continued, she came in, the Sister Princess, she came into school every day and she got those kids ready and they had their Christmas program at Christmas time. Now, the hard part of the story is for her to walk through that, but they were in the process of getting her husband switched over to her insurance and it hadn't happened at the time they went to the hospital. So she is saddled with this massive amount of hospital bills that she has no idea how she's going to pay. Now, her father's a pastor. I asked Carrie, I said, how's she doing? She said, she is so strong in her faith. She said, she's, she's doing okay. She's got a good support group. But she's got a lot of expenses ahead of her. And so uh, this may be one of those times that we say, okay, this is where we're going to... This is where we're gonna. This is the the personal contact we're gonna make as a church. I told Carrie, I said, look, um, you know, we've been praying for people down there. We've been praying particularly, and I said, and I've particularly been praying for this situation. And I said, can you can you get me some more information? And she she went and talked to this teacher, and then texted me the next day, and she said. The teacher, when I told her that somebody in Raleigh and Apex had been praying for her, she said she teared up. And she said, I know some people are. I said, I have just felt it to, to sustain me like it has. And so it's such an encouraging story about how in the midst of a really hard situation, you can have this peace that the world doesn't offer, but Jesus does. Now, there are other stories um, that are not so good. She told me... She said, we're having more fights in middle school since the hurricane. The kids are just, they've been through so much and they don't really know how to process it all. Um, she told me, you know, of uh, a situation where um, the husband was a ex-military, recently out of military. He wanted to stay during the storm and he sent his 
his wife and his his daughter inland. But I, the storm seemed to be so traumatic for him, it caused all that resurgence of its PTSD. Is that the right PTSD? And they ended up getting a divorce. Um, so there's 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 the peace that the world gives, and when it gets disturbed, it causes really problems. And there's a peace that God gives, and it it helps people through that. So. Um, Bill and I were talking. I think there, you told me it was like six thousand houses in Newburn that are just being pushed over. So we don't hear about the things going on down in Eastern North Carolina right now. But there's a lot of stories that um, you know we we can continue to pray for those people in, in that part of our state. So I I, I just really encourage you uh, as the Lord reminds you. Don't forget, even though we don't know a lot of specific stories, we can still ask God to, to bring a peace that only He can bring for people to come through that. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting because we have talked about this whole thing about peace over the last six weeks um, a, a number of different times. Uh, and so I want to start with that because um, it... It seems to be, as I've tried to think through this and, and see how this word relates to another word, um, how this all works, but um, God is altogether good. And so whatever comes from God is good. And a part of that good, goodness is this thing that we have learned, biblically it's called shalom. It's that what He, what he offers and what He gives and what He creates is something that is whole and complete and healthy and that's his heart for whatever he is about and when you look at creation uh what does it say about creation the the last part of it i think um says this god saw all that he had made and behold it was very very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their host. By the seventh day God completed all his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of that. Then God blessed the seventh day and set it apart, sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So there he placed man in the Garden of Eden. Everything was fine. It's perfect and whole. And then came the disobedience and the rebellion that we're, that the world is still walking in today. We're in that, that part of this big story. Um, the rebellion. The, the fact that no man seeks God without God first seeking him. And so we have this place where there's the fall of man... And then Jesus the Redeemer, which we've sung so beautifully about this morning. Um, and so there's only measures of peace now available, but not the fullness. Um, I think even as a believer, um, our, our peace can still get disturbed. And we have, as, as Roger was telling us, you know, uh, was it a couple of Sundays ago, um, Peace is something that we have to guard. You have to guard the gates of peace and the wall of peace uh, when anything 
tries to enter and 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 uh, disturb that. And so we've got this situation where Isaiah says there is no peace for the wicked. And it goes on in Isaiah 59 and it says this. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. They do not know the way of peace, and there is no justice in their tracks. They have made their paths crooked, and whoever treads on them does not know peace. But in the midst of this, God sent a Redeemer and a Savior, and that Savior's invitation was this. Come to me, and I will give you rest. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives. For just as my kingdom is not of this world, so is my peace, not as the world gives. There's coming a time. Um, it's called, we call it the millennium. It's this thousand year reign where Jesus returns and he's not redeemer then, he's the king. And so there is a measure of peace that will be restored in that time, but it will be a peace that's enforced. Um, I want to read a couple of verses about this particular piece. It's out of Isaiah chapter 11. Very familiar scripture for most of us. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see. Nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor. And decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with his breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And so there's coming a time when... Jesus returns that he will enforce peace. This particular passage continues, For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for his peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. And finally, after this time of being in, of an enforced peace because the king of kings will be ruling during this time, there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And so the peace will come through relationship, you know, as a bride and a groom. Um, 
these two scriptures are out of Revelation. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That sounds like a, a peace that will be unshakable then. But it will be through relationship. It won't be as a king that enforces it. It will be just as the Lord desired it to be when He created the earth. Um, so, between the creation and between the new heavens and the, the, and the new earth, there is this time where um, because of disobedience and rebellion, the, the fullness of peace that God desired for us is not so effectual. Um, you know, we at Christmas time, and probably every year at Christmas time, uh, we read the scripture, the prophecy out of Isaiah chapter 9, where um, Isaiah says, you know, we're going to be given a child and a son. And it says, um, the government will rest on his shoulders. Um, and um, one of the names that he will be called is Prince of Peace. It's interesting because the very next verse says this, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice, and with righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. Now, what I want to try to do this morning is show the relationship between two words. Those two words are peace and justice. So this environment of peace, this environment of shalom, this environment of wholeness and completeness that God has um, really created for us and um, which he promises to provide, that comes through the related work of justice. Um, it, it's taken me a little work to get there and I, I just hope I can communicate this because we think of it differently. We think it comes through grace, but it comes through Justice, And we sang about it, Bill, this morning in Here is Love. There's these two, grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Well, when we look at the cross, we don't see perfect justice. We see injustice. But I want to kind of go through, just like we did with peace, the, 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 the word justice and what it means and how uh, 
this particular phrase is exactly right. Um, and so, um, you know, within every human heart, there's a sense of what's fair and what's not fair. It is. We, I guess maybe that's why we love these. I don't watch them, but the popularity of all these judge, whatever their name is, shows that I can't imagine why people want to watch it unless they want to see if their people are being treated fair. And fairness can be very subjective to whatever your standard of fairness is. And so, um, but we do, we, you know, we cry foul, we cry unjust or unfair when whatever we consider the standard of fairness is, 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 is violated. Um, C.S. Lewis writes this because this thing is so deep within us as, as a human beings, this whole sense of fairness. He's, he writes this, he says, Human beings, after all, have some sense. I guess we could argue that, but that's what he says. They see that you cannot have any real safety or happiness except in a society where everyone plays fair. And it is because they see this that they try to act decently. And, and, and we expect other people to act decently. And so when people don't, whatever our standard is or whatever the cultural standard is, that's when we cry unfair, when we say things are not right. And even if it's fleeting, peace is disturbed in that time. You may say, well, that's not fair, and then you just move on to the next thing. But there's a moment there where there's conflict. You know, there's not a, a, a perfect wholeness in, in there. And so, you know, I've tried to look at this whole thing about justice, and all this is, all these messages that I've had in the last two or three times are all the backdrop for the messages to come. So. We're go, we're going to get there eventually of where all this is going, but um, justice basically is the application of someone coming to what the terms of peace are. It's not necessarily punitive or, or retributive, although most of the times it's appeared that way. The purpose of justice is to set the, per, the terms of peace. And so, who, who are the people that bring justice? Well, we have justice, we have judges, and they used to be called justices of the peace. The peace. Exactly. Uh, it's, that's kind of got an interesting, what I'm going to call modern history, because um, in 1195, Richard the Lionheart of England um, commissioned certain knights to keep the king's peace. And so that was their job, was to whatever the sovereign said was peace, they were to make sure that it was insured. Uh, this, went on, this went on for about 150 years, and then they, it was interesting, they gave them the, um, they gave them the authority to what was called to bind over people that potentially weren't going to behave. It wasn't meant to be punishment, but it was to be protective for the rest of society. Oh, that guy looks like he's going to be a troublemaker. And so they would do whatever they needed to do to keep that person in line so that it was peace preserved for everybody. But, you know, 
it goes back much farther than that. You know, Greg was sharing last week about uh, Samson. Well, Samson was the last last judge. Samson was the last judge. In the book of Judges, anyway. Yes. That it, see, I remember a little bit of what you said. <laughs> but one of the things that that Greg did mention is that from the the in the book of Judges, from the first judge to the last judge, they all seem to get to be worse and worse, less righteous themselves, and their judgments probably also less righteous. And so it just points out to us that you know, our judges are fallible people. There was a law for the kings of Israel. You, you, one of the things and responsibilities of the kings of Israel was you're to read the law at least once a year so that you would, be, you would remember it that it would be fresh with you, that you would understand what is right and not right in the eyes of God. And that's how they were supposed to rule then. Um, if they did the same thing they did with their command about wives, then they probably didn't read the law very very often. But be that as it may, um, we, have, we have fallible judges. Um, God gave these rules. Look, don't, don't take a bribe. Don't favor a rich man more than a poor man. Don't favor a poor man than you would a rich man. In other words, justice should be blind, but we know that it hasn't been that way. And um, the justice that seems to be restored now, it may bring this superficial peace, but it doesn't change people on the inside very much. You go to prison or you pay your fine or whatever, but you're still angry about it. You know, our prisons aren't very redemptive anymore. Um, and so whether it's a, a, an individual or a group of people, any terms of peace, uh, even like in an election, it's just very superficial. Inside, people's hearts and minds sometimes never change. Um, but that wasn't God's heart. God's heart was that it would bring peace and his highest is that they would bring change within a person, within their heart. A um, couple of verses I want to just read to you. I want you to think about these verses in light of that being the motive from God's heart uh, in, in, in the use of the word justice. Um, in re, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest... You will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing, and you said, No, for we will flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you will be swift. One thousand will flee at the threat of one man. You will flee at the threat of of five, until you are left as a flag on a mountaintop, as a signal on a hill. Now listen to this. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for Him. See that word in a whole different light. 
in that verse. Sorry, say again where that's from. Um, it's really, really small. Isaiah 30... Bill? God's promise concerning his servant, Isaiah 42, 1. Behold my servant, speaking of Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Your Bible may say judgment. Um, He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. I'll let you fill this one in. Correct me, O Lord, but with justice, not with your anger, lest I come to nothing. Do you want to be corrected with justice? If it's the terms of peace with you, yes. Yes, I do. What's interesting is um, there was no one that suffered injustice more than Jesus Christ. Staying with Isaiah, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like sheep that is silent before its shearers, so did he not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, he, un- he suffered unjustly at the hands of men while bearing a cross, a murderer went free. But the terms of peace, the terms of peace for justice set between God and mankind was agreed to by Christ. He didn't want to go that particular way, but God's will. The terms of peace for peace between God and us, God set and Christ willingly agreed to that. It was a great price. We've been bought with a price. And he suffered great injustice. Though in he was innocent in every way. In every way, a righteous person. And he was the one... Bill read this scripture uh, the last time I spoke. It was in my notes and I didn't read it, but he read it at the end of, of that time. Jesus was the one whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be 
just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's a there's a passage, and I alluded to this a few weeks back um, in the New Testament. It's a matter of how you respond to the terms of peace. Here are the terms of peace. Um, there's an example of the cost of di- discipleship where uh, there's a king um, who sets out to have a war with another and then he realizes, I, I should look and see... Can my 10,000 men conquer the 20,000 of the other? Or should I ask for terms of peace? That's kind of a reflection of us. Uh, when we are going to be accountable for God, um, what are we going to stand on? Our works? The balance of the scales? Um, but the terms of peace have been given. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Make Him the Lord of your life. That's the terms of peace with God. It's not superficial. It's really real. And it will, it will carry us in these times of hardship. I'm rejoicing with my brother David and yet I'm carrying a heavy load for other people. Um, so, you know, you could be conflicted in that time or you can trust in the sovereignty of God and trust in, uh, in His peace that He has bought with a price. Um, you know, Bill gave a message a while back. Ten reasons why sal- salvation is so great. I kind of got the words mixed around, but the great reason is there's no other way other than the way that God has done it. And He's done it through justice. He set a terms of peace. There was one person and only one person that was qualified to carry out the terms of peace. That was Jesus Christ. He agreed to it. Therefore, His punishment is considered just. And He bought us and redeemed us um, that we might walk in this thing that God has purpose for His creation from the beginning of time. This wholeness and completeness of of shalom. So let's pray. Father, we just thank You that... um, God, we just marvel at Your story first and secondly, Your great grace that you You would be true to Yourself, that You would be both good and just and full of love all at the same time. Only a God like you can do that. Only a man like Jesus Christ can make it possible. And so we thank you this morning. Lord, help us to remember. Help us to remember that we've been bought with a price. Lord, that all that we do, Father, would be to bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.